0: Hello and welcome to episode eight of the In the Clutch podcast. My name is Drew Clutchy and I'm here alongside my co-host Jeremy Wilson. In this episode eight, we're going to go over the Brooklyn Nets, which obviously the big deal for them this off summer is that Kevin Durant is actually not leaving Brooklyn. So that happened maybe just about, I'd say two, two to three weeks ago. Kevin Durant announced alongside with the Brooklyn Nets that he's going to stay in Brooklyn for the coming season. And this is after requesting a trade earlier in the spring-summer, and then doubling down on that request and saying that the team has to pick between either the coach and the GM or him, so that only one of those two parties would be able to stay with the Brooklyn Nets. So ultimately, Brooklyn was asking a king's ransom for Kevin Durant in the trade market based on what they saw Rudy Gobert, for, Rudy Gobert go for early in the offseason. So basically, Brooklyn told kevin durant similar to the kobe bryant thing from years and years ago which is that you can't trade one one looney for four quarters right so they're not willing to trade kevin durant unless they get an a-plus package teams like the raptors amongst other teams the raptors and um who else was in the kevin durant sweepstakes i just focus on the raptors as a raptor fan
1: um the raptors and oh the
0: celtics Celtics, Raptors yes. and the Celtics who were the Celtics were shopping Jalen Brown. So all yep. those teams said they weren't willing, like the Raptors were not willing to throw in Scotty Barnes. They wanted to keep Siakam, just tried to do it with OGN and Obi Gary Trent company and some picks. And then Celtics were willing to move Jalen Brown, but the Nets wanted more than that. So that ultimately didn't go anywhere. So then the team Brooklyn and Kevin Durant were able to come together and keep Kevin Durant in Brooklyn for the coming season. So then now that we know that that's going to be the setup, they have Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving is staying on a one-year deal because they, he couldn't get an extension done with Brooklyn. And then, of course, Ben Simmons is still there. So on paper, the Brooklyn Nets have a wonderful team. But what do you think is going to happen in practice, Chair?
1: Before I actually get into the how the Brooklyn Nets look, in my opinion, for this year, I just want to point out two things. One is that it's absolutely wild to me that Kevin Durant thought that he could get the Nets owner to fire the coach and the GM by right. just saying, no, them or me fire them both. Like um, that's wild because an owner would hopefully never do that. Just for a simple fact that, you know, you can't give players that much power. Right. Um, secondly, yes, the the Celtics offered Jalen Brown um, among a couple other role players and a couple draft picks, I believe for a, uh, Kevin Durant and the Nets said no we want jason tatum and Jalen brown right and i don't know what the nets are smoking but
0: i don't know exactly. you want to get high there, you were, should, uh, there go, were so many like that. the initial one the initial request from toronto was like scotty barnes siakam and Ogn and ob and somebody else like it was and gary trent i think like it was uh, insane
1: yeah so the the nets were, the nets were wild in a little bit um One thing I want to, I can't imagine that Kevin Durant's happy to be staying. Well, I think the trademark just wasn't there and he was forced into something he didn't want to do. So I don't know how you go back and face, first of all, your teammates that you just said, hey, get me out of here. I don't want to play with these guys. Second of all, how do you work with Steve Nash? How does Steve Nash coach a guy who just demanded that he gets fired?
0: I thought about that, of course, initially when it happened. But I'm over it. And here's my justification, right? Is Kevin Durant is not like Kyrie Irving, where Kevin Durant has never quit on the guys on the court. Right. So, like, when you look at, who for anybody who's seen the last dance, because I imagine most of the listeners were not not around watching basketball during the 90s. Like, Scottie Pippen at one point, with, like, less than a minute to go in a game on the final play, refused to check into the game because they didn't draw up the play for him. They drew it up for, for Kukoc. Yeah, for reference, that, it was
1: the it was a game-winning shot, I believe that it was less than ten seconds left,
0: and it was in one of the years that Jordan Jordan wasn't playing. So yeah. they drew it up for Kukoc. They didn't draw it up for Scotty. yet Scotty refused to check into the game. So that's like that's quitting on the guys on the court, right? Versus Kevin Durant, whether or not you're going to be friends with him off the court, like whether or not him and Steve Nash are going to get along, or if it'll be awkward or whatever. Kevin Durant has never quit on the guys on the court. He's always played maximum minutes, like 48 minutes in a playoff game and left it all out. Excuse me, left it all out on the court to try to win. And he's done that historically throughout his career. So I think, although it's certainly going to be awkward sitting around the lunch table at the, as the Berkeley nets facility, I think they'll be able to move past it from a basketball standpoint because Kevin Durant has never shown like he's never done like a hard, right or a Scotty Pippen or whoever you want to call or attribute that to. where like, he's never stopped being in shape and stopped trying his hardest and stop playing, being a team player to maximize winning and everything. So I think it, from a basketball standpoint, that's actually something that you can probably move past.
1: Right. And I'm sure all the players still have a great deal of respect for him as a basketball player. And just, yeah, like you said, they, he's never quit on them. Um, I just, like, he, after Kyrie resigned, he was like, no, I still don't want to be here. Um, And to go back to Kyrie, like, are they still close like they were before? Like, it's not really about the guys feeling that he's quit on them, more so that like, you need some level of team chemistry to compete for a championship, and I don't know if you can have that with the Brooklyn Nets, with Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and Ben Simmons, who's all over the place, all the time.
0: I think the interesting thing to me and what it will ultimately come down to, which, for the record, I don't think Brooklyn is going to win a championship because I agree that you have to have a level of cohesiveness as a team together and then also the fact that, like, they just don't, the health of these guys, like Kyrie Irving's never played more than, like, 70-something games or whatever. So... There's going to be a lot of issues and I don't think they'll be able to bring it together to win a championship, even though they brought in TJ Warren and they brought they brought in a couple other pieces. They lost Bruce Brown, which I think is like a notably important piece to lose because he played a lot of great minutes for them. But I think on paper, it's all comes down to Ben Simmons, because if you've Kyrie at point guard, Kevin Durant in small forward and Ben Simmons at power forward center, depending on the exact lineup that's in and who you're playing against. I think that's like on paper. That's the team you build. Like, if I'm putting together a 2K team, that's what I'm going for. I'm going to put Ben Simmons at the 5, and you're going to be have him guarding guys like Draymond Green and stuff like that. Or he can guard the lead forward on the other team, like LeBron. And then I'm going to have Kevin Durant at the 3, who's like now a huge 3 in comparison to what some of the other teams are running at small small forward. And then additionally, you have Kyrie Irving at point coverage. Kyrie Irving, whether or not you like him, he's just a bucket.
1: Right, and he... Yeah, I cannot argue with you that that's a great team on paper, like a great lineup to run out. Because you can surround those three guys. Like if you want to play Ben Simmons as a small ball center, you can surround those three guys with now T.J. Warren, who's a good defender and a good three point shooter, and Joe Harris or Seth Curry, who are both great yeah. three point shooters. Uh, and like you, you can have enough shooting on the court that Ben Simmons being a non shooter won't matter. And enough defense on the court that Kyrie being a relative non-defender, doesn't matter.
0: Kyrie's not even a bad defender though when he actually tries. Like in the playoffs, he's made lots of historically good defensive plays.
1: Right, exactly. And so that is a it's a fantastic lineup, but it was also a fantastic lineup when they were running at Kyrie, Harden, and Durant with Joe Harris and you know whoever they were playing on center that particular day.
0: Yeah, um Claxton sometimes.
1: But, um, but it never worked, right? So I, I just have no faith that the Brooklyn Nets will will be able to make
0: it work. Is that the best on paper? You know, of course, we have to talk on paper because we don't if half the Brooklyn Nets are going to show up on right. the court and actually play. But on paper is Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, or Seth Curry. Pick your pick. Take your pick. TJ Ward, Kevin Durant, and Ben Simmons. Is that the best closing lineup in the league? Because all, all you have to do, all you have to do, is be. have Ben Simmons inbound the ball, and then everybody else can shoot free throws. And Ben Simmons is a great passer, and he'll be great at inbounding the ball because he's tall.
1: Yeah, I th- I think that almost has to be the best closing lineup in the league. Like I don't know you, if I'm thinking about other championship contenders. and You're thinking about the Bucks, but it, like you could have Kevin Durant as a wash with whoever that other team's best player is, and then Kyrie as a wash with the second best player. and Then you still have Ben Simmons and like good role players, and that. It's not true for most even really, really good teams.
0: Well, and as we know, like small ball is really popular right now as a closing lineup because you get the shooting out there, right? Right. So a lot of teams you will see like it's the same thing with the Lakers, how Anthony Davis hates playing center. So they have... Um, like Anthony Davis at power forward the entire game, but when it really comes down to a closing lineup, AD plays the five, right? Which right. is only kind of small ball because AD is also seven feet tall, but it's the same thing like Draymond Green will normally play the five when they need a closing lineup out there. So that's really popular right now, and that'll obviously work really well for them because Ben Simmons can play the five, and Kevin Durant has played the five a couple times last season, which obviously now he won't have to because Ben Simmons is down there. So I think another closing lineup that would stand out to me to rival that is you could have John Wall, Norman Powell, Paul George, Kawhi, and like Marcus Morris Sr. playing the five, maybe, who's also a great three-point shooter from the corners. Right. Or Nicholas Batum playing the five, which he did a few times last year. Or Robert Covington playing the five.
1: Yeah. That, I feel like that lineup is uh, heavily... To, like, we know what we're going to get, basically, from players like Joe Harris, Seth Curry. Right. And I have no idea what John Wall is going to do. Um, and John Wall might go back to being a really good version of himself, similar to what he was in Washington. I just really haven't seen him play in a couple of years.
0: I love and have so much respect for John Wall because he did what so many other guys need to do. And to be fair, Chris Paul did it too, which is Chris Paul went back to Oklahoma, played hard to get his value back as a player, and then signed a big deal. And John Wall is also doing that. But so many other players need to take a note from that book. Like Russell Westbrook obviously comes to mind as a standup for that. Whereas like John Wall acknowledges that he currently, whether he is or isn't the player that he used to be, he's no longer seen that way. So he understands that he needs to go be the third offensive option for the Clippers be guarded by the third best defensive player from the opponent, the opposing team and bring his value back up. Excuse me. And he has to do it on like a veteran minimum deal. Right. And
1: the veteran minimum deal isn't like a big deal to me because the Rockets are still paying him $47 million this year. So it's like, oh, yeah, like he took less, but he took less after he got given $50 million for the year and was like, okay, now you can go wherever you want. And then he took less.
0: Oh, I would love to get bought out. (laughs) Can you imagine getting bought out of your current job? I guess that's what a severance is, but we don't get severances because we're 21. So, 21. I don't know if you old. know uh,
1: who Ed Orgeron is. No. Um, he he was the head coach at LSU for, uh, for the their football team. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Got, I saw that. Yeah. He got fired this recent year and he was saying that he was talking about the conversation he had with the athletic director who fired him. And the athletic director was like, You got $17 million left on your contract and we're going to give it to you. And he said, well, when do you want me to leave and what door do you want me out of?
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's hard. To, I can't say for sure that I'd take that approach, obviously, because it's bigger and harder in the moment when it's happening to you. Right. But that's certainly on paper how I feel I would take that. So it's like, all right, yeah.
1: So <laughs> oh, no, we'll be, $47 million.
0: Dollars? Okay. <laughs> Think about how much money we could put into the podcast if I just got paid out that.
1: Yeah, if anybody wants to donate $47 million, we're gonna, we would grow exponentially.
0: Yeah, and yeah, we'd be able to do it full-time. We'd be a lot better off. So yeah, if anybody were looking for sponsorships in the clutch, uh, minimum donation, 20 mil. And then uh, we'll give you we'll give you a 30-second ad read right at the start of the episode.
1: Yeah, and that that um, is worth that 20 million right there.
0: So. Yeah, exactly, for all of our viewership. But yeah, so that's kind of the thing with the Brooklyn Nets is going back to what this episode's actually about before we go on some giant side tangent, which we tend to do. Um, it's really just about whether or not in practice, when the ball actually touches the floor and the players have to get out onto the court, whether everybody's going to show up and play well, because right. if it's a 2k team, it's the 2k team that I would build in a fantasy draft. I'm like, wow, this is like, if I got that team. I'm like, this is awesome. Right. So if they can do it in practice on the court, then I think the Brooklyn Nets are like a top team in the East. And if everybody plays most of the games health wise.
1: Right, like if if everybody puts it together, Ben Simmons, you know, know, forgets about his fake back injury and starts to play again, and Kyrie vaccination status is no longer an issue, and Kevin Durant plays like that should be a team that's competing with the Bucks for being the top team in the Eastern Conference.
0: Right, and I agree with that. The interesting thing will be whether they could stay healthy for the whole year, and I just can't get over. Is Ben Simmons gonna play? Who knows? Who like I really, have, I really have no idea. Did you? Know, you
1: uh, I'm not sure if we've talked about this piece of news on the podcast before, but um, Ben Simmons, when asked by teammates in a text group chat if he was gonna play in Game Four against the Celtics, left the group chat. Really? No response. Just left the group chat.
0: I had not heard that.
1: Yeah, so that's that's just a fun Ben Simmons fact that kind of exemplifies the type of teammate he is.
0: Probably not an A-plus teammate.
1: Yeah, probably not. Probably bad for your team chemistry in 2K if you're trying to build a team with team chemistry on.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. I'll take that into account. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting scenario for Brooklyn. They're the most entertaining team to look at because you have no idea what you're going to get, but they have such talented players. Versus like Sacramento, you don't know what you're going to get, but you know it's kind of going to be some version of a dumpster fire. (laughs) But with Brooklyn, they could be, by the time we hit the all-star break, they could be the best team in the league. And we just really don't know. Versus we know like a team like Sacramento, they're entertaining to look at on paper, but they're not going to be the best team in the league.
1: Right. Every other team has a ceiling and a floor. You're like, this team could be. From this seed, basically exactly, to yeah, this that's
0: seed. exactly it. So
1: Sacramento could, is going to peak at maybe like I don't know, this, this seven or eight seed if they have a really really good year. But like for Brooklyn, you're like, yeah, they could be the one seed or the eleven or twelve seed. Like, who knows?
0: That that was a really valuable point. We don't know the. Ceiling I like to think all the, the points I make are really
1: valuable. Well,
0: yeah. of course, everything, every point <laughs> you make is valuable, Jared. But that one stands above the rest. We don't know the ceiling or the floor for Brooklyn. So it could be exponentially great. It could be disgusting. Either way, it'll be entertaining.
1: Yes. Dumpster fires are fun to watch too. Pardon me? Dumpster fires are fun to watch too.
0: Exactly. I always forget too, that there's the playing game now. So to make the playoffs, you really have to be top six, which with the way the league has gone, when you look, I was talking about this the other day with one of my friends, but um when you look at the way the leagues have gone, like now you have the Atlanta Hawks, who was like Trey Young, John Collins, Dejounte Murray, and you have the Raptors, who are obviously great. Cleveland, which we're going to get to in episode nine, coming out later this week. You don't really know who's not top six in the East, but somebody right. has to be not top six. Right. So obviously there's like, we can, it's fair to assume that Philly will be up there because they've hardened in a bead. And then Milwaukee, yep. Brook, Brooklyn, maybe Miami, boston that's already five and then cleveland atlanta toronto so when you're looking at it it's like we don't really know who isn't in the top six now versus the top eight we normally had a better idea of who was going to fall out right right so that's kind of the thing is like what do you define now as a dumpster fire for a lot of teams because it's like you can already not make the playoffs because you're not top six and then you lose a couple playing games
1: well i Like, I feel like if you lose a couple playing games, you probably weren't good enough to be a playoff team anyway.
0: Which that's fair. For the record, I also did mention Chicago, who was top six last year.
1: Yeah, and Chicago is also a team where you're like, they're pretty good, but you never know how good they can actually be.
0: They need to be healthy for a whole year. because Lonzo, Vooch, DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Pat Williams is really good. But if they're all healthy and play well, and if DeRozan doesn't fall off as he's gotten older, which last year he had one of the better seasons of his career but he needs to stay an elite player and that'll be one of the major keys for them. Yeah, agreed. So that's all we have for episode eight of season two of the In The Clinch podcast. We'd like to thank you for listening and we'll see you next time in episode nine.